we produce one unit per minute for most of our manufacturing plants. So when you think about production time and disasters or people being absent, anything that would affect production by the minute is impactful to our production. So it's extremely important that we keep that moving. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Hannah Kinnett, who's responsible for emergency management and business resiliency at Toyota Motor North America. Hannah, welcome. How are you? Hey, Peter. I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. Thanks again for having me. Oh, absolutely. So glad to hear it. And thank you for taking time. I know you're busy. I am really excited to dig into our main topic and learn how Toyota accelerates both emergency and incident response times. But before we begin, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your role at Toyota? Absolutely. So my overarching organization within Toyota is called Global Security. So that's kind of the big sort of pillar there. But within that organization is our emergency management and business resiliency team, which is the team that I'm specifically part of. So of course, we do work closely with the other you know, teams within Global Security, such as the technology team and a few others. However, our immediate team is, is really rather small. So I'm actually one of five who are directly involved with emergency management and business resiliency. And more specifically, as far as myself goes, my title and my role within the team is as the technology specialist. So this pretty much puts me in charge of a few of our main systems that we use to prepare for, respond to, recover from any sort of disaster, as well as business disruptions. So mass communication through alert media is one of them. And then some weather alerts through our partner, AccuWeather is another one. So those are sort of two of the largest ones that I'm in charge of. There's a few smaller ones as well. But both of those systems cover North America for us. So that will consist of about 50 locations, 15 of those being manufacturing plants, and that will total just under about 80,000 people for those two systems covering that. Now, the cool thing about Alert Media with our mass communication system is that that system actually does also cover a few of our international locations. And so that's part of our finance group that we support through partnership as well with Alert Media and mass communication. So you're responsible for quite a few people. <laughs> just a few. <laughs> just yeah. a few. Okay. Well, can you give us a bit more detail, I guess, at a high level of how that team operates? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said before, emergency management and business resiliency, that team specifically is only five people. So they do our fire suppression systems, alarm systems, and they are also more of the emergency management sort of boots on the ground at the manufacturing plants. They do the emergency preparedness plans as well as fire. So, and then there's me. <laughs> so, so most of what I do within my system specifically is like access control. So I oversee who gets access, what level of access, and then we perform the trainings throughout the year and go over best practices and things like that. What are the types of emergencies that are top of mind for you and the others in your manufacturing plants and all the other facilities on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, of course. So we have a list of top emergencies, I would say, for the manufacturing plant specifically. And those are generally split into a level one, two, or three based on the severity of the incident. But these emergencies could be fire, material release, medical response, utility disruption, and weather, to name a few. I would say those are probably our top 
you know, emergencies that we sort of see on a day-to-day basis. Now, of course, those aren't the only ones that threaten our facilities, manufacturing or non-manufacturing, but they are the most common. Also, I want to mention here business disruptions because we do, you know, obviously handle the emergencies, disasters, but business disruptions is something that we definitely would see on a more frequent basis, whether it be, you know, certain entrances to the facility being blocked off, telling people to go in a different way or before a shift, if there are certain people, this is especially important for manufacturing. If there's somebody that's not going to be present that day, it's sort sort of like a roll call type thing that we can notify, hey, this person's going to be out. That way they're prior to the shift, they can have somebody stand place for that person in the production line. That way they're the actual production lines not affected by somebody not being there that day, if that makes sense. So business disruptions is something I really like to mention when it comes to like, what are the top sort of focuses we have? Because while they're not necessarily emergencies or disasters, they're definitely something that we see on a more frequent basis. And everything from business disruption to emergency is extremely important because, you know, I have a little statistic here that says we produce one unit per minute for most of our manufacturing plants. That's an average. Some of our manufacturing plants will go up to three minutes to produce one unit. So anywhere between one unit for every one to three minutes. So when you think about that and you think about production time and disasters or, you know, people being absent, anything that would affect production by the minute is impactful to our production. So it's extremely important that we obviously, you know, keep that moving. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you when you step back and just kind of think about keeping tabs and all the imminent threats out there that could impact Toyota's ability to operate, what are the primary challenges that you and your team face in ensuring the right locations have the most accurate and relevant info about those threats? That's a really good question. I would say one of our biggest struggles that we face is with personal contact information. So personal contact data has to be opted in by a team member. So if somebody doesn't provide that information, we don't have it, which pretty much just creates a, a very narrow stream of being able to reach them because it makes us you know, rely on only whatever information we have for them, which would be work contact information. So that is an issue. That's something that we've you know, been working with. We've been working with your team, especially on getting some new ways on getting personal contact information in the system, which has been you know, really helpful. And we're hoping to improve that. But I would say as far as the teams specifically go with that are sending notifications, those people, we call them either admins or dispatchers. We want to make sure that they stay trained in the system. That's kind of our primary, you know, not really struggle, but focus as far as, you know, preventing struggles is making sure that they are trained in the system frequently. We do a monthly user training where we cover at least one topic within the system monthly, whether it be templates, whether it be surveys, things like that. So we we meet monthly to go over at least one topic and we also provide Q&A at the end so that they are able to ask any questions that maybe have come up for them over the last month. Now, of course, they can always reach out to me, but the Q&A provides an environment where other people can bounce ideas off of maybe their questions and things like that. So we definitely want to make sure everybody stays trained in the system. And as best practices maybe become different or improved, we like to go over those as well. And then the last piece to that, the last piece to, you know, our adamant and dispatchers, you know, staying, you know, up, up to date and current in the system is also making sure they know when to send an alert. So I would say that's probably probably one of the other largest struggles that we, you know, try to fight against with training is making sure they know when to send something. So weather is a, a really good example of this. So we do special weather training depending on the season. So it could be, you know, severe weather season, hurricane season, winter weather as we go into the, you know, winter months. But we do weather training very often to make sure that they know when to send an alert when it comes to a weather incident because you might not always have to send something. It might be, you know, a 
threat that's not imminent on the location right away. So we set up, you know, certain weather criteria that really will notify them that lets them know this is imminent. This is when you need to take action and send something. So I would say that's another struggle is making sure they know when to send an alert or a notification when the time is needed. Does that funnel back up to you and your team, or do you give some kind of autonomy there through that training to empower people to make those decisions on their own? Yeah, I mean, every location knows their location better than I could personally say being here in Texas. You know what I mean? So we really like to provide them the, you know, the training needed to say here, you know how to use the system, use your best discretion on, you know, who you need to be sending this notification to when you need to be sending it. They generally create their own groups as far as people they're sending notifications to. They know that people. I don't, you know, so they create those groups, they create, you know, all of their templates and things like that. All I can do is provide, you know, the training. Okay, very good. And I like something you mentioned earlier, which was you you take this kind of ongoing approach to keeping people involved with learning how to use the the notification system and the different tools that you have. It's like every month, it's not a set up and forget project. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that because we also test the system regularly. We have an operations center here in Texas, or it's called our NAOC or North American Operations Center. They test monthly the system mm. because they're constantly using it. They test the system monthly. And then all of our other facilities, like the manufacturing plants, for example, in order to keep their access as an admin or as a dispatcher, they have to test the system once every three months. So that's something that we you know, track. That's something that we pull reports on that says, if you're not actively using it, then we're going to take your access because you know if you're not using the system at least once every three months, and that's probably pretty generous to be honest, then how are you going to, you know, be confident? Like you were saying, like, how are you going to be able to log on and act swiftly and send a notification accurately if you haven't seen it in, you know, 12 weeks? So that is something that we definitely stay on top of, I think, with testing the system as well as the training. Okay, very good. I made a note here. You mentioned something before that I was intrigued by. You, You said something about a level system for alerts. Can you dig into that a little bit more and give some examples? Yeah, absolutely. So we have uh, level one, two, and three is generally the way that it's it's set up. So level one being the, I guess you could say, lowest and less severe level, and then level three being the highest. So for all of those main emergencies, like I said, a fire, material release, things like that, they are grouped into level one, two, and three based on a criteria that's preset in our emergency preparedness plan. So all of those level one, twos, and threes will follow the ERP, as we call it. So it's pretty much preset. It's pretty simple as far as that goes. Now, we have created templates for our admins and dispatchers that you know have the level one, two, and three already there. So the criteria is pretty much listed. I'll give you an example for the level one, two, and three is like material release. A level one material release would be a small spill of a known substance. Mm. A level two would be a large spill of a known substance or a small spill of an unknown substance. Mm -hmm. So it's got kind of two part. And then level three would be a large spill of an unknown substance. So that's how the level one, twos and threes work. So we we created templates actually that follow the level one, two and three that pretty much says, you know, the level two is pretty much reworded to say there's been a, you know, a large spill of, and then it'll just leave little brackets. So the admin just clicks on that and all they're filling in is that bracket that says, here's Mm -hmm. what the spill is, or here's where it is. Here's the time. 
so they're filling in the information based on you know the event currently what's what's happening but all of the other wording is already in there for them it's already pre-populated and it already follows what the ERP states as a level two you know material release for example so that's how our, our level system works the designation of one two or three is that something you just use for planning purposes and internally for the administrators as they're thinking about this or does that also get communicated in the notification that goes to the people out in the field so at a glance they can see oh yeah this is a level one maybe i don't have to be so worried about it is if i see a level three or is that not in the messaging itself yeah, so good question. The templates are titled by the level one, two, and three so that the admin or dispatcher can quickly identify it. Level ones will generally not even go to, I guess you could say like upper level sort of management. Some management doesn't want to see anything till it's a level three. It. Some want to see a level two or a level three. So the wording of the template itself doesn't state, you know, whether it's a level one, two, or three, it will just have that criteria. And generally speaking, if you're receiving it, you're going to know when you read that it's, you know, a fire that's, you know, X big or you'll know, oh, that's a level, level two. So some of our teams have preset making like, uh, top priority on the notification. I'm trying to think of how it's called. It's like you can set it to be a higher priority. Right. And so some of them will have higher priority for level twos and threes. And then their pre-populated group of people that receive that are going to be, you know, the management that wants to see that versus if it's a lower priority, they won't mark that as a high priority. And then the people receiving it might just be the security team that pretty much says, hey guys, this is going on. We're responding to it. But they won't really spread that news out until it's something that, you know, the management's says they want to see. Got it. Okay. Well, if, if you think about it, what are you most proud of when it comes to your role and the work of the emergency management and business resilience team over at Toyota? Well, that's a good question. Of course, life safety is extremely important. So I'm definitely proud that I get to have at least a little role in protecting our team members and, you know, being able to be involved in that. But I would say that the best part comes sort of from a branch of that. That's you know, basically the ability to build trust within, you know, Toyota and build trust with our team members that says, hey, you know, we're here to protect you. We're here to, you know, support you and be here for you. And I would say that, you know, that's probably the most proud sort of thing that comes out of my role. And what I do is making sure that people know that this is an environment where they're going to be protected and safe. It's hard for people to perform if they don't feel like they're safe. So that yeah, is probably the is. most fundamentally important thing that you can do is make sure each and every day when people are on their way to work, at work, or about to leave work, that they are safe in doing so. Absolutely. I mean, you have, you know, the obvious impacts to Toyota as a company, which of course is is a part of, you know, my role and I'm proud and happy to be involved in that and, you know, glad that I can make a difference there. But like you said, when it comes down to the people, which is probably the, the part that I'm most proud of is, is being able to protect the people and making sure that they feel safe as well. That, that level of trust. Absolutely. Well, we'd like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide the listeners with a piece of advice or best practice that they can take back to their organizations. So in your mind, what can the audience do to improve their emergency response plan or safety culture overall? Ooh, good question. I would say, and this is probably something we didn't talk about as much here, so this is a great place to, to put this, is like our operations center. So I would say in this conversation, I think it's pretty clear what, you know, we like people to be self-sufficient on being able to notify and 
being well-trained and, and all those sorts of things. But of course, you know, we focused a lot on manufacturing, but we have other facilities as well that maybe don't have the bandwidth to have a trained team for mass communication like the manufacturing plants do, you know, some of our smaller sites. So our NAOC, like I mentioned earlier, the North American Operations Center, they are a 24-7 group of team members that we have here at the HQ here in Plano that are trained on the, you know, alert media mass communication system for any facility. So if anybody at any of our facilities needed to send a notification, they could call the NAOC and they could say, you know, this is going on. And the NAOC is equipped and trained to be able to send a notification for any of our 50 facilities. So I would say that that is something that I think is, you know, special that we have and and definitely a great resource because it says that, you know, if one person can't or if this team can't, there's always a backup. We like to make sure Mm -hmm. that there's always going to be a route to get notifications out when it needs to be communicated. So I think that that is is probably the thing that I would definitely recommend having is, you know, if it can't be a full-blown operation center, you know, at least just having something there as a backup, as a 24-7 option that says, you know, if your team can't, you know, there's still going to be somebody there to help. Yeah, absolutely. So make it easy enough for people to do it on their own, but if for some reason they can't, know who the backup team is and how to get in touch with them and get, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. The, the NAOC has a number that people can call. And then there's also a form that people can fill out if it's not as, you know, like say pressing, I guess there's also a NAOC request form that somebody can fill out that sends directly to the NAOC. And then, like I said, they're, they're fully equipped to, they know how to, you know, word everything and, and mm-hmm. who to click and all the, all the things for any of the 50 facilities that we have. So they're pretty impressive down there what they do. So yeah. oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Being able to support us. Yep. Excellent. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate your time, expertise, and advice. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. If anyone out there listening has follow-up questions or wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Well, my email is probably the best way to reach me. It's going to be Hannah, which is H-A-N-N-A-H dot Kennett which is K-I-N-N-E-T-T at toyota.com. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks again for taking time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And for the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.